0: As human beings, we have within us the desire to explore, to test our boundaries, and challenge the limits of what is possible. Today's guest has proven that you can do anything, and more importantly, that you have options in life. and You are not doomed to your existence if you find yourself astray. Whether you live in a small town in the mountains big city on the coast or anywhere in between there are influences all around that steer your life in a certain direction and in your teenage years it can be challenging to know which influences to trust our guest spent his youth between heavy drug addiction while home and a love and passion for the outdoors over years of battling internal struggle and trying to find himself, he also had the opportunity to develop his skills that are necessary to survive and thrive in any conditions. Later, he dedicated his time to supporting youth through a wilderness therapy program and turned his own life around at the same time. In the last decade, He stood up and led the way by demonstrating what happens when you have a burning desire in your heart and soul to live adventurously as an ultra-endurance athlete. He's completed many of the world's toughest races, including the Ultra Triple Crown, three 200-plus mile trail races, each about three weeks apart from each other, and many others. I'm so happy to welcome our guests to the show today. Please welcome Bryce Astill. I've been I've been to I've been to Utah once, and uh, it was honestly it is still my fondest memory in the outdoors we uh my wife and i um got married officially and then a week a week later took off to denver got in a van drove to moab Mm -hmm. and then got married again we had a we had a little (laughs) elopement ceremony
1: Um,
0: that was the real wedding the first wedding that we had at home was for our family it was uh, it was a nice event we had everyone show up and uh, but we knew we knew hey next week we're going to be in this most beautiful place and then we're going to say our vows and it'll be just us and have some meaning so we ended up um, standing on a a ledge in Canyonlands National Park
1: it's a nice spot Uh, oh my god (laughs) wow I just like that you forgot, like you you did the traditional thing, <laughs> yeah, and you don't consider that the real wedding. <laughs> you're like, then we stood outside, amongst, yeah. You know, well, I mean, the yeah, there red rock monoliths, exactly. Oh was, my, God. that was the, that was the place that the vows really took. <laughs> you know, yeah. And are you married, by the way? I'm not. I'm in a I'm in a very very loving committed relationship Beautiful. for. For three years so nice sometimes it feels like what marriage might feel like but <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah at some point the the line gets blurred and and right? you're not really sure <laughs> that's how it was and 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 we planned it so quickly and the wedding just happened and then what we were really looking forward to was that trip man and and uh you know and that's how you know my wife and I connected through adventure through the outdoors we really got to know each other really well because of that was uh and I imagine I imagine that's true for a lot of people, a lot of couples that do those things together.
1: Tell outdoors me outdoors will make you fall, about- fall man.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude. It- <laughs> well
1: you know what it was Well, well actually actually it's a great filter. it's a great filter because uh and and one that uh in in dating I would do pretty early on in dating is like um you know I've I've lived out of my truck for like months at a time, you know. So like, <laughs> it's it was always like a good testing like if if i was dating somebody and i was you know having some good feelings for him it was like cool let's go do a road trip and let's camp and live out of the Mm -hmm. car and and do that because you will find out who a person is very quickly and also just how somebody appreciates uh being outside and being in nature you know and so for me that was like a like if you can't do that i know that it's probably never gonna work
0: that's your litmus test (laughs) yeah let's get in a truck was sleeping in the back of a van we did that we did that once i took my wife to colorado this is before we were married we flew out and uh we were we were only there for we were there for two days or three days from new york to to denver Mm -hmm. i rented a i rented a a a nissan truck it was like one of those big ass nissan trucks i don't know why i thought nissan but it was a seven seat truck and that i that we got and i'm like hey Mm -hmm. let's with, we got, we got to, we got to the airport at like 11 PM, got in the truck, drove to a trailhead and fell asleep (laughs) and then woke up at 6 AM and just started hiking. And I'm like, this is, this is it. This is life, man. This is great.
1: That's a proper proper adventure,
0: right? Adventure partner who can swing that. Exactly. (laughs) So, so tell me about, um, like how, how you got to the point of wanting, of, you know, living in your truck for an extended periods of time and <laughs> and using using that as your uh, your way to to get girls
1: <laughs> uh where did that I mean, start that's a, that's a long story no um i mean i feel i feel like i you know i'm like growing up in in utah um we're just surrounded by it you know and the the, ba- the mountains have been my my backyard um so even as a kid we just we you know we had pretty pretty good leeway because um, we didn't have helicopter parents back then you know that uh like it, it was it was not abnormal for us mm-hmm. to just get kicked out of the house because we're loud and annoying um and uh you know we just had to be home at a certain time and so mm-hmm. we would take our bikes or go hike or whatever you know and and kind of disappear like i had a group of friends we just disappear into the mountains <laughs> and build forts and you know, explore and, and, uh, but I, you know, I also feel I like living here was easy. And, and then I'll, I also, cause there's lots of people who live here that, you know, I, I still know people that live in Salt Lake that have never been to Moab or never been to any of these places that are only a few hours away. And, um, but my family grew up doing a lot of that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. my parents, uh, took us camping a lot as kids and I have five siblings. So, um, we uh, like a lot of you know my friends now they're like oh it's just, it's too hard to camp with kids and I'm like we're just you know my parents had the opposite yeah. thing they were like we had to take you guys camping because we were gonna go crazy <laughs> you know and out there we would mostly entertain ourselves we would I mean it was you take a kid out in the nature and they just play right mm-hmm. they, they explore they play
0: something takes over right something primal yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, like they they have, they just start, you know, they don't, phones don't work, so nobody's staring at screens and watching videos and stuff, and I mean, we didn't have that stuff when I was a kid, so like, you just make up games, (laughs) and you go exploring, and we had BB guns, and we had slingshots, and we had, you know, um, just, you know, we just got creative out there, And, and it was really easy, and so like, they were like, camping was like the easiest thing for us, we'd give you a, basically give you a boundary, (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. that you guys would always go beyond just but just barely and they taught us like what to do if you get lost and what do you do you know those sorts of things and mm-hmm. then they were able to have like relax and have a good weekend and we just took care of ourselves and so but so we you know i got to grow up camping a lot which was um which was a really cool thing and then when i got into my teenage years uh in, in boy scouts um uh we started doing um, these like 50 mile backpacking trips. And uh, which the first one was just, it couldn't have been more of a disaster. I had like an asthma attack, my pack didn't fit. We, we were carrying like cans of like dinty more stew. Like compared to like backpacking nowadays with all these like gourmet freeze dried meals and stuff like that. Like I, yeah. it's, it's it's and everything was heavy, you know? like i was now it's all lightweight uh, yeah i was there i was 13 scrawny like 13 year old kid with this like 60 pound pack on because we didn't know how to do it and uh but we learned a lot from that first trip and then i i have four sisters and a brother and um my sisters are all like very like you know badass tough women and if my dad was like taking me and my brother to do something they're like we want to do it too so of course they're like, we want to do one of these trips, and so <laughs> we actually started taking every year we would take a family trip that was like fifty miles backpacking up wow. in wilderness areas, and and, um, and so uh, and those were you know like we had we had we had done lots of different cool family trips, and um, you know especially as a kid like we'd like every few years we'd go to Disneyland or like went to San Diego and and you know the beach and like that kind of stuff which a lot of people, i think a lot of people would like consider like that's the cool vacation mm-hmm. but our most memorable vacations were these backpacking trips it's camping yeah. and- i find that
0: those are the memorable ones the uh, because I'm, yeah. I'm sure there were there were uh, it, uh parts of it were disaster and you know you oh, struggled yeah. a yeah. bit oh, <laughs> like yeah. like oh it's raining and you're trying to start a fire or something like that or setting oh, yeah. getting a tent set up when no one wants to do anything or <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Uinta mountain range, which was where we did a decent amount of our trips here in Utah, the, um, you know, especially back, back then, like it would rain almost every day. And Mm so, you know, I can remember being like crammed with my siblings in one of the tents so that we could all play cards or some kind of, you know, some kind of card game or something like that. And, um, you know, and it was, those were like the best times you know, so, um, so yeah, like I got, I got to grow up rock climbing and, and backpacking and mountain biking and, and, um, and just doing, you know, all these different explorative things in, Mm -hmm. in these mountain ranges. And so, uh, yeah, I feel, I feel very fortunate because not everybody gets that, (laughs) that upbringing and stuff. And so, um, so I feel, I feel really at home there and, um, and then even, um, you know, like having, you know, having those skills and stuff like that, there was, you know, a time in my, I mean, in my, in my junior high, high school days, I like really turned towards like really heavily towards like drugs and alcohol. And, and then after ended up with a, a pretty, you know, pretty heinous, uh, you know, cocaine and heroin addiction. And, uh, that lasted until I was almost 25 and, and then it was nature that like really, like um exactly. so I, I i detoxed up in <laughs> up in the mountains and um in these places where i've done these backpacking trips and, and this and that and uh um and so and then ended up working in a you know ended up working with youth and in, in wilderness therapy as a as a guide and a staff like a field staff and and yeah. um so yeah i just had this like long thread of you know, spending time in the mountains and and, um, adventuring outside. And it's still, you know, I'm 40 now and it's still the most important and fun and enjoyable thing that I do all the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so it it really touched on every aspect of your life then in in terms of like your childhood and and how you spent time with, with your family. And then how you found peace and, and solitude and healing, I'm sure. Yeah. How did yeah, you, how definitely. did you know, like, how did you know that was, um, well, I'm, I'm sure that was, this was through a lot of, a lot of trial and error going through that, <laughs> going through addiction and, and, and struggling with, with that, which is really, I, I imagine a, a, a feeling of not really being sure of what to do and turning toward, turning, always turning back to the drugs and the alcohol because it feels safe and it feels like something you, that, that works and gives you what you need in that moment. And then you got to go and finally find uh, safety and security in, in these, these outdoor environments, these adventurous environments, which a lot of people will look at, like you said, in the beginning, like, Like you're crazy. How do you do that? Right. How do you go camping and how do you go backpacking and, um, uh, and you found safety and you found peace in that. Is that accurate? Is that, is that what, what, what
1: which is, which is, you know, which is strange when you're in a wilderness area, you barely have what you need and yeah, you know, potential bears and animals and different things like that, that, you know, so it, it seems dangerous, but, but it feel to me it always felt safe right and it felt i felt at home there and um what well, was always and i mean that's why i ended up going to the mountains to detox off of yeah. heroin and stuff was that um you know basically from the time i was like 14 15 on you know if, if i was in town i i was i was fucked up on something <laughs> you know and and yeah. I would go, I, but I would still go on these backpacking trips with my family or, and, and I would bring, I would always bring something with me and then I would never do it up there. It was Mm. like this weird thing, but I couldn't do that at home at home. It was like the head was turning and I, my body was felt uncomfortable and and then I would go spend time in the mountains and everything just felt okay. Mm. And, um, and so, you know, when I, when I finally, uh, got into treatment that you know they they were like you need to go to to a detox center and i was broke and jobless and (laughs) and i I was like yeah that doesn't seem like the it doesn't seem like it's going to relieve stress by like piling on a shit ton of debt on top Mm of you know what i'm already feeling and going through and so i was like you know we just need a we just need some space from this stuff and i was like i'm not gonna get you know if i'm up in the middle of the mountains i can't can't get you know, i'm not gonna get drugs up there and uh and so i and, and it was i thought it was gonna be like this awful painful detox um because while i was at home you know i, I couldn't go an hour without putting drugs in my body without getting completely dope sick and just feeling terrible and mm. you know skin crawling and cold sweats and that kind of thing and um i went up there and i just slept for like five days You know, I'd sleep most of the day and go, go for a walk out in the woods. And, um, and you know, I didn't feel great, but I didn't feel near the intensity of withdrawal symptoms up there. And then, um, I was there with my sister and, and then my dad came up and we did like a 40 mile backpack trip. And and I was as as astounded as he was, I was just like, I don't know how I'm not feeling the way that I was feeling down there, but I don't feel it, you know? And, um, so the, the healing power of nature and just like the being so in tune with your senses and so in tune with your body, um, you know, for me, it, it it has always had this ability to kind of cut through, um, Mm. the the spinning, the spinning mind and the, and and the way that we cause ourselves tension mentally, you know, so, um. Yeah, and there's patterns,
0: you know, the, especially when it comes to addiction, there's patterns that cause you to, to, to have the craving. And then, and then there's a something internal that happens, like there's an environmental uh, trigger, mm-hmm. and then that causes something on the inside to, you know, create that urge or the withdrawal. And, and when you remove all that, and I, I've, I've, um, I've helped clients, uh, overcome a lot of these, a lot of these problems, addictions to to different types of things, whether it be drugs or alcohol or um, binge eating and things like that. And, and what I've noticed is one, remove, remove the triggers, or add these new patterns, add these new triggers. And what happens when you go into the most beautiful place that you could imagine, right, it's going to trigger a response in your body that's going to promote healing and health and gratitude and, and focus and, and love and all these um, really useful emotions, especially when you're overcoming uh, problems and challenges. And, uh, and then on the other side of that, there's the, there's the reward system that you have. And, and when you actually accomplish a, a task, a goal, something astounding like you go for a 40 mile hike or you spend days in the woods right you build your own fire you put up your own tent there's there's a sense of accomplishment that uh, really ends up negating the need for finding that sense externally or seeking it out that the seeking out some validation
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know and that's what you know when I was younger I, I didn't I never got into hard drugs. I smoked a ton of cigarettes though, like, uh, so, you know, two packs a day at one point when I was in high school and it was terrible. <laughs> oh I'll man. With,
1: you can get away with it back then, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My parents smoked, so it was easy to hide. And then oh, it was so easy. And then, but but like, I just looked for that. I needed it to, to feel something, to feel like I was doing something or um, and, and same, same thing, man. I, and I would go, I would go hiking. um I'd go camping. uh You know, I was in the boy Scouts too. And every single month we'd do a camping trip and I didn't crave a single cigarette when we did that. Yeah. And I was, you know, at, at 15, 13, 14 doing that. And, and it was like those moments, I actually look forward to it because I'm like, Oh, I finally get to go into my, like, uh, where i feel comfortable where i don't have to do this it was like this weird feeling like i had to do it because i was stuck in the city um and it's so strange how they how these things happen and yeah. like what uh and and then one day it just you know you do something different you get something new and and, and you feel better you feel really uh mm-hmm. you feel like useful in the world and it, it's a what 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 makes me curious about your story is you know you grew up already doing these things and having these outlets um and then also when you were home when you were in in the city in salt lake you were you were still exposed to these other things what was your environment like what you know what were the kids like growing up with at that point what, were, what was your school like
1: i mean i grew up in a like pretty decent pretty nice like middle class uh you know middle class to like upper class neighborhood and and this and that and um and, you know and in my in my i went to public school and, and mm-hmm. you know so we had a good mix of everybody and and um you know it was i, I you know I'm, I'm in utah so it's like primarily mormon and right. um and i i grew up in a mormon family and and left you know left when i was like 14 and um which was you know a, a whole story in itself but it's uh you know so it was an, an interesting because You know and being in a really religious culture and utah is just kind of a strange one because like if you meet mormons in other states it's not the same as here Mm. Uh, because it's like the dominant religion there's like this i always called it competitive mormonism (laughs) (laughs) where where people are trying to be more
0: the
1: the best you know at at it which really just means they're hiding their humanity and Mm. (laughs) you know that we all that we all have and and um, so it was it was an interesting environment and, and i think like all the things that you would expect from like a slightly repressed or obsessed with image culture um breeds a counterculture to all those things and and so um but for me you know like i for me it was like i never felt um uh that you know, it, especially in that, that era of your life, you know, there's always like clicks. you know, like you're a skater or you're this or you're, mm-hmm. you know, whatever whatever your whatever your group is or whatever. And I, I never felt like I belonged to like any of those groups in particular, but I was friends with all of them. And, mm. and, you know, as a teenager, I was just a classically confused teenager, you know, as far as like trying to figure out my identity. And, you know, so it was like, I was like outdoorsy, and you know a little bit hippie i'd like wear grateful dead shirts and like cut off army shorts because it was grunge grunge was cool in the 90s and and uh and i skateboarded and i did this and i did that you know i mean i if you looked at me i there was a i have a picture of myself as a teenager um but mm-hmm. i was like i literally i had a mohawk a tie-dye grateful bed shirt grungy army shorts and skate shoes and i just looked like the classic, the most classically confused teenager that didn't know what the hell his identity yeah. was. <laughs> <laughs> Got a little bit from each of each decade yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, you know, like
0: um, you're like, out on a camping trip with your Boy yeah. Scout troop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then
1: yeah, doing, the, doing, doing the back tie. I mean, it was it was an interesting era of life, as it is. I think as it is for everybody as you know, teenagers. But, um, but you know, like where I grew up, it was you, It was um, you know different people, there was a lot of access to outdoors, there was a lot of people that to go do it with as well and learn Mm -hmm. from and, um, and, uh, and so, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a decent, decent place to grow up and, and um, Did you get into things like, uh, did you get into snow sports, things like uh, skiing Mm -hmm. or snowboarding? Yeah, yeah, I started skiing pretty young. And um, I think I was seven when I started and, and, uh, and then, you know, snowboarding, really, really took off not mm-hmm. too long after that. And so in my, I think I was like 13, 12 or 13, and um, all my friends switched to snowboarding because it was the cool thing. And, yeah. and so I, I I, tried it once and I you know, just fell on my face like you do on a <laughs> snowboard. And and I already knew how to ski, so I was like, screw this. And uh, went back to my skis, but then literally all my friends switched to snowboarding. And, uh, yeah. and so I was constantly like waiting for them because oh yeah they, you're like, like were, you're you're learning. gonna go much faster <laughs> yeah yeah and so i was just like i was like well this sucks just like constantly waiting so um so i i, I strapped on the board again okay <laughs> and so you went I back to like, it yeah, i went back to it and, and you know because snowboarding is one of those things like once you get once you learn how not to catch an edge you can excel at it much you can actually get i think get better at it more quickly than getting more technically good at skiing um skiing is a little bit easier learning curve at the beginning because it's mm-hmm. it's easier not to catch an edge and fall on your face so hard yeah um, man but so yeah so i so i grew up doing you know and and i mean we have some of the most amazing skiing yeah in, in Utah. so um so yeah and i it's it always baffles me living here and and people that don't do winter sports because we, we have a decently long winter and uh so, it's like riding a
0: bike you know
1: yeah i imagine <laughs> yeah so it's it's uh, if you're not doing winter sports it's like oh what are you you're, doing you're sitting inside <laughs> for me you're sitting inside way too much but <laughs> mm-hmm. um so it's a good way it's a good way to make the long winters like feel feel fun and, and enjoyable and, and uh and the mountains in the winter are just a completely different you know different thing that's that's quieter and different and uh you know, backcountry skiing and, and that kind of stuff. is just something special. So,
0: so you've gotten into um, that later, you know, more so in like later in your life, you've been mm-hmm. doing that more like skiing and snowboarding in the backcountry. Yeah,
1: yeah. 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 As it's, as it's, as Salt Lake used to be this like nice little secret. Yeah. <laughs> and, and uh um it is, that secret seems to be gone now. And and a lot of people have moved here and stuff. And so as, it, as it's gotten a little more, crowded and stuff like that um it's it's a place where you can you know get on get on some go have some incredible you know runs down some incredible mountains without uh without some crowds
0: without seeing a soul i'm sure yeah yeah Yeah, you know even even
1: the backcountry like more people are doing it you know i mean the everything everything outdoors is more accessible than it's ever been you know yeah
0: i mean there's education out there there's people taking other people into the mountains doing things like yeah. that and and i i could imagine the, the the draw of being getting to do it on fresh powder too oh, instead yeah. of because i go to you know i'll go to resorts here in new york or even out in colorado and uh you know by the end of the day the the runs are destroyed you can't even get down <laughs> and, and up here in the northeast you know it's you know, after, if, if you're not one of the first people on the mountain, like you're on ice just oh, yeah. Yeah. all day. And it is, it, it, it's fun. It's still fun. It's skiing is always fun for me. And, and it's, it's like, ah, nothing compares to like two <laughs> or three foot deep snow and, uh, you know, Oh yeah. With, yeah we, with have many, we have
1: many, we have many East coasters who, who have, uh, yeah. you know, come out My this kid. way to, for a, for a season and uh have ended up staying uh you know never left so (laughs) yeah
0: i'm we're 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 set on that path i'm sure at some point we're gonna make our way make our (laughs) way west it's part of the plan um uh you so you said you you worked with kids doing wilderness therapy could you tell me more Mm -hmm. about
1: that yeah so after after i had after i had uh you know cleaned up from drug addiction and stuff like that i um I, i i've uh since I was 18, I've cleaned windows. I have a window cleaning business and, and um, but I was just looking to want to, you know, want to do something else and, and mm. wanted, uh, and, and, and just that power of nature was always so cool. And my sister had worked for a, a wilderness therapy company for like a summer. And, um, and so I, uh, I ended up going and, and getting a job at, at one of these companies. And, and, um, uh, and so, you know, the kids, the kids are usually 13 to 17 um they're getting in a lot of trouble it's it's probably the place like you know <laughs> it would have been great for me as a, as a teenager to end up um but uh so the kids are out there for two to three months straight and um, hmm. um and they're from all over the u.s and sometimes from even outside of the u.s but mostly from the u.s and and uh yeah and then as staff you b- you basically go and work these shifts 8 days on 6 days off so you're just you're wow. living out of a backpack you're sleeping in tarp shelters you know that yeah. you're, you're making each night and you're just wandering around the desert or up in the mountains in the summertime and so you're out there even in even in the cold of winter you know we go to these lower elevations in the desert but it's still you're still camping in snow and you know mm. subzero temperatures at times and, and um but you're just you know you're just living outside for you know so i mean at that at that period it's and you know i would still go camp and do adventures in between shifts so in between in that the- period yeah so in that period of my life i mean i look back and i was like oh this it's pretty rad like i'm spending um you know well more than half my month living outside you know rather than rather than inside and um so you get you get really really comfortable (laughs) living outside and and we would you know these we would teach these kids hard skills like we would use bow drills to start fires and you had to make you had to harvest and make your own bow drill set um you know when you first came in you were on like there's the phases of this program there was like earth phase Mm -hmm. and and fire phase and and water phase and air phase And, and when you're on you know the first phase, like you're not, you're you're just uh, hanging out by yourself, just kind of getting accustomed. You know, you have your own fire, and you're you, you get a plastic spoon. And uh, but when you join the group and fire faith, you know, um, you you actually have to break and throw away that spoon, and then uh, you eat with sticks until you carve your own spoon. And and, <laughs> and so, um, and it's uh, it's a little different now because everything's gotten a little bit softer in in the way that they do it. Yeah, but, sure. Um, you know back then it was like if you didn't bust a fire then you had to eat your food cold it was still cooked but it was like you you know so you had to earn the hot meal you had to like do the work and the effort and um now they base it a little more off of effort as opposed to um you know as a black and to...
0: white like yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it's, and, and stuff you'd... but I've,
0: yeah. I've tried i've tried that before i've tried doing the, the bow and spindle <laughs> fire starter and uh I could, I could see how that works as therapy oh, because yeah. uh, you do it enough and it is, it is frustrating. It mm-hmm. is really frustrating um, because you need the right wood, the right conditions, you know everything's yeah. got to be set up. And there's, there's definitely a skill to it. Um, I've seen people do it really fast and efficiently and then I'll spend, I've spent hours trying to get a fire started with, with that, or like a Flint and steel yeah. method and, <laughs> and just getting frustrated and eventually like pulling out the lighter that I have in my pocket. And, uh, you, but you do it enough and you can find a sense of peace in that, that struggle. And yeah. I imagine that's the lesson is, is yeah, and I Hey, you carving your own spoon. Yeah. That's, there's a lesson there. And it, Takes some hard work. It takes effort. You created that, and you you did it without getting frustrated. You mm-hmm. also built some skills up.
1: Yeah, I mean, this the the pride that you get from you know when you you know especially you know we would have we would have we called you know because it was bust we called it busting fires and yeah. so we'd have bust offs and you know whoever got the fire first got to you know got to name the fire and and you know there, it, just these little kind of prideful perks, but, you know, there's a satisfaction that comes from like, wow, like I created, like I built the set to make this fire. Mm. I, you know, I carved it with a knife and, and did this and, and kept, you know, did the prep and gathered the materials. And then like this fire that's warming me at night is it's like, I made it, <laughs> you know, like I used the, the natural substances around me to make this thing.
0: Mm. And
1: um, so there's a, there's a satisfaction that comes from that that is very different from just being given something or having something be so easy, you know, and same, same with a spoon that takes you, you know, hours to an hours to carve and, and then, you know, burn out the bowl with coals. And, you know, Mm -hmm. there's this, this, there's this long effort that takes place that, you know, so when you're eating with that spoon, you're like, man, I made, I made the spoon and you can remember the hours of, of work that you put into it. And, um, I'm sure and people not, would keep and,
0: that forever too they'll keep yeah, it, you know yeah.
1: and 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 you know and then and then within those less i mean there's so many lessons within you know uh as you as you learn to as you learn to bust a fire with a bow drill set and become good and consistent with it you know you realize most of it is preparation mm-hmm. right? because if you don't have a, a well prepped set you know and 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 so that transfers into life it's like oh like you know because we always get our eyes on the shiny thing right mm-hmm. which is the fire <laughs> and and
0: right you um, want to get right to the reserve. yeah we want to get
1: right to the fire and 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 so and because of our our very comfortable lives that we live you yeah know, most of the time that's possible you know you can we always call it the lighter the thumb drill you know <laughs> and it's like you can have it like that in a snap and um but when you actually have to like pay attention and keep yourself stuff prepped and keep it you know, you had to have nesting that was dry because if it was raining, yeah. you know, if you if you if you weren't carrying dry nesting with you, like you're gonna have a hell of a time, right? But teaches you to be there, prepared and out yeah. there where we don't have stoves and we don't have any of those things. Like you're in order to cook, <laughs> you know, you are um, you're gonna have to make a fire. So, and especially out in the winter, I mean, you you gotta you gotta be able to create fire and, and stuff like that, and so to to stay safe and so. Um, it's there's there's just a lot of just just with the hard skills alone out there working wilderness therapy you just learn you know how, like how you're building your shelter the time that you take to make sure that it's built well mm-hmm. because you never know you know you could go to you can go to bed and all the stars are out and it's gorgeous and beautiful and and in the middle of the night you know that suddenly it's a, there's a foot of snow around you or or it's just dumping rain and if you didn't if you didn't take that that time to mm-hmm to really build a, a, a fortified shelter, like you were going to, the, the consequences for everything were so immediate, you know, mm. and, um, and here in our padded, very comfortable world, consequences can be delayed or completely avoided for just almost as long as you want to, you know, there's a good, there's grounded. a good
0: lesson there in, in not having any assumption, right. That, yeah, that, uh, that, you know, the, the, the state of comfort you have right now is going to last, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, the with with the the life that most people in the world get to live now, with the ability to choose our comfort zone, mm-hmm. um, that that becomes lost because hey, I'm I'm inside. It doesn't matter if it rains or if there's a foot of snow. I get I can just stay inside today. Whereas, yeah, I imagine out, you know, when you're in the woods or in the mountains and and you're responsible for everything it doesn't matter if you want to stay in you're getting up and you're fortifying your shelter i remember being uh, when i when i climbed i climbed mount rainier and we were we were at one of the the in a tent at one of the camps um it's like eleven thousand feet on a glacier and and my guides were out there at midnight digging snow out to so that we could stay comfortable in our tents um but we you know we ended up getting out and and having to dig out snow from the side of the tent otherwise it'd get too cold or um or block the wind we had to put up a wall of snow to block wind but you're 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 basically um in between naps at that point and and you realize um you realize well you know, at home we 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 feel this need to get eight hours of sleep and and have the perfect temperature at night and uh, and we have our meals squared away and you know we you can meal prep and you can set up your day perfectly so that you have like the optimal environment um, and still be frustrated because something is off, right? But then you're out there and you know, you're out in these environments, like up on a mountain or in the woods, or where you have to deal with um, reality, like be present and deal with reality of what's happening. And and the fact that you're, you're just a tiny thing in this world, you're not uh, as big as you imagine yourself to be. Um, And, and in that dealing with reality, you actually find a lot more satisfaction. Because, I remember getting up, you know, midnight, or actually, we got up at 2 a.m. because the weather was perfect, and our guides were like, "Hey, let's let's go for the summit now. This is the time." And we're on three hours of sleep after a day of climbing and uh, and and you know, doing some hard things with with very little in terms of uh, nourishment. And you know, I woke up, sprung out of bed and felt like amazing but here you know if my son is crying at two in the morning <laughs> and he's changed i'm like this kid what does he do <laughs> like, these- <laughs> and then you think but then you go back in your head and you're like ah, oh, this isn't so bad it could be yeah. dying right now <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're like, I pulled it together for that. I can pull it together for this. <laughs> exactly. And we
0: get so comfortable, man. And, and I, I imagine it like doing do, doing something like wilderness therapy um, as a kid or, you know, even in your 20s is, is, is so valuable because if, especially growing up in any sort of city or even rural environments where people are sheltered, they have comfort, um, you know, that is a lesson that that is going to carry with you and teach you so many different things about what life is really like and what you're capable of you know and at least it gives you this sense of gratitude right for what you do have right Mm -hmm. when you were on those uh when you were doing those trips or um working in that space in wilderness therapy um what did you notice about yourself as a leader what was the what was the the lessons that you took away from from being in that environment and from guiding people.
1: Oh man, so many. Um, I mean, first of all, like when I started, like I, you know, I was I was like newly, pretty newly um, clean off the drugs, and so I was already dealing with um, a pretty high level of like social anxiety that I never even really knew that I had and but was was absolutely medicating and then um you know then get thrown into this environment where um you know we're as a you know there's typically there was a, ever anywhere between three to five staff with 10 to 12 students and and um so you know and and, and we're doing both these hard skills but then we're also guiding and facilitating therapeutic groups and and effective communication skills and things like that. So I went through this like really enormous like growth period, of um, and uh, you know it, it was such a cool environment as a staff because we would um, it was just such a, a great place to develop uh, as a human being because you're constantly giving each other feedback on how how you're interacting with with these kids on a on a you know emotional level and. And all this stuff and then as well as your staff team like how you're contributing you know we would do midweek and, and week feedback set longer feedback sessions and then you're you're also doing that throughout the week and so um i felt like it, it was you know at first it was just anxiety ridden and just mm-hmm. uh, you know because i it's almost i felt like i was under a microscope you know and and particularly we would give we would evaluate each other and um and to to kind of rise up the levels from a an intern staff to a senior level staff where you're really in charge of the you know you're in charge of the day the group the safety of everybody and that kind of thing and overseeing all that um that microscope gets even you know mm-hmm. <laughs> even even more fine so, yeah. finely granular and um so you're you're i we were constantly getting feedback of how what our interactions were like and how we're interacting and and the way that we're communicating and and but also getting you know positive feedback or being told what what you're doing that's well that you're doing well and so um, you know at first it was just pure discomfort you know and and it was like oh my god like I don't even know I, I did that or the way that I say say things or talk to people like you get all of this these this feedback and insights on on how you're interacting and mm. um, and if you can receive all that and actually do something with it then it's it's an it's an amazing way to grow and um so you know fast forward to then you know finally becoming a senior level staff and then a mentor level staff and, and and um it you know it went from pure discomfort and anxiety to uh just you know i remember um at some point i you know going out into the field and and when you got into the field you're you know sometimes you'd be given it you'd be going out to a new group and there was girls groups and guys groups and, and this and that. And so there's all these different things that happen with these different, different groups and a new group. You're like, Oh man, what, you know, you're, you're working with kids that are struggling in life. And so you never know. There's, there's always a few that are extra difficult and, <laughs> and, yeah. and then, and then the group dynamic is like, you're, you, you know, is, is influenced by, you know, sometimes every now and then you, you get like a group that everybody could hike and hike well. So you'd have these like big hike weeks and then other weeks you'd, You know there was kids that would hike half a mile and fall collapse on the ground and refuse to hike (laughs) you know you get all of it and so um and then you know and then sometimes you'd have kids try to run and you try to you know i mean there's just everything that can happen and, and you have to be prepared for it all and and i remember at some point just going out there and being like you know like having so like gaining so much experience out there just realizing finally like whatever happens they can handle it. And and it's okay mm-hmm. because you, you built the skill and you built the relaxation around, um, you know, and the trust with your staff team and the, and the, and the trust with yourself to know that no matter what happens, even if it's insane, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like and you can't <laughs> even imagine it happening because that's what will happen out there sometimes. Um, there's always, Things a that make
0: to- you really scratch your head and wonder like how,
1: <laughs> Oh yeah. Like how, Oh, I've, I've, yeah, there's, there's some, I mean, I've, I've had kids like walk up out of a therapy session in front of the whole group in the middle of a field and drop trow and take a shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it, it runs the gamut of like, it's just, <laughs> just wild stuff, you know? And, um, and so you, you do enough of it and, and you work through enough of it and you're getting feedback through this whole thing of how to deal with it. And, and, um, you know, you're analyzing it, but not in a way that's overanalyzing, you're just looking at things um for what mind. they are you know yeah you're looking at them in a very mindful way and and gaining experience and so once you have that experience it's like oh like i don't know what's going to happen this week but i but i know that whatever happens like it's going to be okay
0: that's you know, such a very... useful skill in itself and mm-hmm. um i can imagine that um, yeah i've I, i've had similar experiences and and it and once you gain the the wisdom the the intelligence and the experience that it's really easy to not have any expectations and, and that's what ends up happening is you can go into an environment and, and when you do get frazzled by something like a person a kid taking a shit in the middle of the field and, <laughs> all right, all right um, you can you can neither expect that or not expect it right it just is and and it helps you bring yourself back down to the the present to reality to what you're dealing with in the moment versus expecting to have the perfect environment and the perfect group of kids and and also on the on the other side of that when you do get that group of kids that's like they're they're good to go you know they're they're solid kids and they can hike and they can keep up you can be grateful for that um and also recognize well how can i challenge them how how can i make this a little bit more difficult or harder or um what's the lesson here that i want to learn or or teach or something Mm -hmm. so so um when you're you said you're 40 now what what when were you doing this what was what time frame was that
1: so so that was i started doing that when i was 25 okay and um and i for for two years i did it full-time and so for for two full years um yeah, I was, I was, you know, working eight days on, six days off. And... Um, so they did and, this year-round? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's all, it's all the time. And so, right. it's like, and, and like I said, like, in the in the winter times, we'd, like, hike into these, like, kind of lower elevation, more desert areas, which... Right. Um, were, we're still terribly cold in the winter time. <laughs> and, and some winters, you know, out, out right. there in the desert. I mean, there was winters we were constantly hiking around through a couple feet of snow and um you know sometimes hitting you know negative 10 negative 15 degree weather and um and then uh and then in the summertime, you know those areas get really hot so we we'd we'd hike up into the higher higher elevation mountains and stuff like that and so um so yeah i mean the the, it goes on year round um and so yeah it was you know in my mid-20s uh I, i did that full time and then and then um uh started doing it uh part-time so i i'd work like one shift a month Mm. and um while i was kind of maintaining my my window cleaning business and, and also working in adult substance abuse here in salt lake and then um and then at some point i i shifted and worked at a lot of those kids end up going to these therapeutic boarding schools and i worked for a couple of those and did some home home mentoring and um for you know because you know, a lot of the, those kids go from this very structured, supportive environment and then eventually back into their home environment. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes the parents do a really good job doing their own therapy and, and doing that kind of thing. And, and some are really resistant. And so, you know, these kids end up getting these incredible life skills and, and, uh, it's easier to, of course, it's easier to practice when everyone else is doing it too. Right. Um, and then you get thrown back into an environment where, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's very different. Like people aren't communicating effectively with each other. That's not a, <laughs> that's not the culture. Um, and you know, it's some of those unhealthy. And I'm sure the kids
0: are even these. trying and they're displaying those skills yeah. and not being heard or, or, um, it's not being reflected back to them. And they're struggling with that.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and, and as I'm sure any of us have experienced in life, is like when you may begin making healthy choices mm-hmm. uh, and the people around you are not, oftentimes that repels them from you you know it, it's uh yeah. you know it's it's kind of like the way that when you really you know if you if you've been living a rough life and then you start really doing healthy things for yourself your unhealthy friends like it, you don't have to try to change friends most of the time like most of the time they they'll either come along with you and, and make changes or they'll um or they'll start kind of they'll persecuting just, you they'll drift way. off
0: too and you'll yeah. find new friends and yeah, and
1: uh, yeah so so, so I got to work, you know, kind of work on that other end of it for, for a long time as well, where, um, you know, kind of mentoring kids and helping them reintegrate back into their, their environment where it's, where it's like, oh, I'm the one that's kind of leading with these skills now. I'm the one that's like, this is for my happiness and, and, and if, and it's not as easy because not everyone else is practicing it. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so, uh, but yeah, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of the thick of that was in my, kind of mid 20s and into but I I and and then I worked off and on in the winter still um, really until I was almost 35 so um, yeah I worked kind of off and on in that in that area for for almost a decade and um, so so you think that do you think that
0: your your willingness to do that and your contribution to other kids or other people's success helped you with your own sobriety and your own dealing with uh like that part of your life
1: yeah yeah i mean it's um it's uh you know and i i had a one of my one of my counselors um he gave me some sage advice right when i began work doing that work you know he Mm -hmm he reminded me, said, this is, this is important work. You're going to love it. It's going to help you grow. And it's not, it's not your recovery. It's mm-hmm. not your work. And that was, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize how sage that was at the time. Cause I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> and, uh, but that was, that was solid advice because you know, you can, we get a lot from helping other people and we get a yeah. lot from observing other people. And, um, but it's still not the same as really doing your own hard difficult work and, and, uh, so but it but it certainly contributed you know I got to I got to see kids struggling with so many of the things that I struggled with as a teenager with my parents and with my family and with my you know mm-hmm. just how I was being in the world and and so that brought a lot of that stuff up for me and um, I was really fortunate when I went through treatment to um, uh, learn uh, you know a lot of places were kind of more 12 step based and um Mm -hmm. the place that i went through their primary modality was was mindfulness you know and and met like more more of these like mindfulness based um
0: more spiritual uh, practices
1: yeah like just and and really it was it was like experiential practices more than Mm -hmm. you know i mean they they wouldn't have even called it spiritual practices you know it was it was um it was just evidence-based mindfulness type type stuff that uh, like a, a type of a modality where you're just paying attention to your experience. You're noticing your mm-hmm. own body sensations and tensions and, and, you know, and learning tools to regulate that and to, to calm that. And um, so that, I mean, that like that stuff, um, particularly for me at, at, at that time in my life, because I could always think of an excuse or why you were different and, and yeah. all those things. But when you feel it in your body and it's experiential, um, you're, it's it's easier to own you know, and, mm. um, and I find so, a lot of but,
0: people are out of tune with that. they they, they struggle yeah. with, with, um, one, like actually tuning into what you're experiencing internally, like in your body mm-hmm. or whether it's uh, an emotion or a sensation or something. Um, and then, and then the, the other part is the inability to describe it or communicate that well mm-hmm. in a way that's, both, both with yourself, like you can, you know, being able to communicate with yourself and tell yourself what it is that you're feeling, and then doing that with other people is a whole another level and layer. Um, but yeah. that's really the disconnection is that while kids, people are not really taught how to um, how to communicate what they're feeling effectively Mm. and and accurately it's 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 usually uh it's usually a story that they'll tell about themselves or they they'll use their imagination a lot and then uh and then project onto other people versus Mm -hmm. going in and saying well i i feel i'm struggling right now or and and this is what i'm experiencing um and and even on both sides good or bad right like the bad Mm -hmm. stuff and then the and then the good stuff and And as I've seen people get better at that, then then the change really starts to happen. Um,
1: Yeah. Well, in the experience, when you're paying attention to that more internal experience, um, you know, it's it's like I said, it's easier to own for you as opposed to we're we're very influenced by culture. We're very influenced by the people that we're around, and and even in a therapeutic environment, you know, there there becomes a um, you can grasp onto a specific identity that's being created in that culture in the sense of like, oh, I'm supposed to feel this way right now, because that's Mm -hmm. the right way to feel that may not actually be your experience, you know? And, and so like learning these mindfulness and, and and kind of more meditative practices and things like that, that help you really connect to that inner experience. It's, and, and for me, for me, especially, you know, that why I think where it helped me so much is that, um, it 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 uh it took away all of that and it was like, oh this is what I'm experiencing, mm. right? And so because my head, you know, I could become a master of, of <laughs> you know, delusion in the yeah. sense of like an, and and as a chameleon type of a personality that can like fit in with everybody, it was like I could observe and and be mm. like, oh, this is the right way to be in this group or this is the, you know, the you right image act. to have. Yeah. Right and um and instead like it had nothing to do with any of that stuff it was like oh i'm feeling tense because i'm feeling tense because of the way that i'm perceiving things Mm. and i don't really want to feel tense anymore so how to like i have to try on some different perceptions right i have to i I have to recognize the the way i'm experiencing things because of the way i'm seeing things is actually Mm. probably false because the way that i'm feeling right and if i start to notice that tension and then i also notice when it relaxes it's like oh that's mm. it connects you to an inner truth that is that is experiential and it doesn't re, it's not really um dependent upon belief right right um it's actually just dependent on how you're feeling moment to moment to moment
0: and your body signaling something yeah, and, yeah and that's what we can refer to as uh intuition in a way
1: mm.
0: right no. And, uh, and it's a great way to take ownership and that exists in every facet, every area of, of life or business or your work or your family or relationships. It's, it's recognizing the difference between what your perception is of what's happening and how you feel versus how your what your body is actually telling you. And, and then when you start to lean into what your body is telling you and you experience that sense of calm and release and relief then uh, a lot changes externally like you're Mm -hmm. you start to see things more clearly or even um, other people start to see you differently and start to change their behavior around that because you know usually it's you that's causing the tension with with everyone else not the (laughs) other way around
1: um yeah. Well, if you're at tense, the very least, if, you if have tense. To do it's your it. tension, right? If, if if I'm tense, it's my tension, and and I I am the only one that can do something about that particular tension, and so um, yeah, it's it's uh, and and so you know to go back to the question, yeah, it's it's I doing that work was like I mean just so influential on you know the the path that I've been on to to working with, uh, you know, just inner healing and, and that kind of thing, like it brought being around that environment and, and working with people that are, have dealt with, you know, so many similar things and stuff like over time, you know, it, it just, it brings up so many of your own triggers and, and it brings them to the surface where you can actually work with them and work on them. And, and so, yeah, working in wilderness therapy, working in uh, substance abuse treatment for adults and, and doing this stuff, I think it, it, it certainly accelerated my um my healing in that sense because just being around it and being uh just having to constantly face (laughs) a lot of yeah the the repeated exposure really Mm -hmm. like Uh, it's different because you know it's if you're if you're just an environment that's triggering you all the time like that's not necessarily helpful but it is when you have tools when you have the appropriate Mm -hmm. tools to um and, and and desire to actually relieve that tension and to release Mm -hmm. what what is causing those that that tension by those triggers and stuff and so um yeah it was just a cool i mean it was a yeah yeah, working in those working in those fields um has has always felt uh both you know individually it's been super beneficial um and then and rewarding i'm sure yeah and then collectively it's like my my whole intention of working in that that field was just recognizing like oh man like i you know i can model this for other people and um and that people modeling it for me is what really helped me you know and so it's just wanting to help people that think that it's impossible to show them like hey look like (laughs) no matter what you're going through and what you've been through and what your what your past is and and stuff like that there is there is an opportunity here and the, and there is change is possible and transformation is possible and and you can you know and 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 the level of that transformation and where you can go with it is really you know it's is really endless you know and, and mm-hmm. you know because i look at i look at my life then and it was like i could you know i could i couldn't leave my house for um you know more than an hour without planning how and where i was going to get high and, and all this stuff which was like pure imprisonment to yeah. to now where it's like i can you know I, I i've traveled all over the world and and you know i I've run ultra marathons through mountains all over the u.s and, and different places and and um, how'd you get
0: into the ultra running how'd you get into endurance sports
1: um so that was like uh the um i was a couple years sober at that point And I was, I had, I was doing all this emotional work and stuff and I felt, I felt so good inside and, but I was also like still struggling with like, I was, I was, I was always an emotional eater and Mm. so I was like 50 pounds overweight and I just, I remember looking in the mirror one day and I was like, man, I feel so good inside, like better than I've ever felt in my life and my body does not match it. You know, Mm. and I was like, I don't, I, there, that I felt imprisoned by it and, um, my dad was a a runner. He had like run a a marathon like every year for like 15 years when I was growing up or something Mm -hmm. like that. And, uh, and, and so like I had, I had run when I was a kid and I played a lot of sports and then, you know, when my drug use got really bad, I just, I was drifting away from that stuff. And, Mm -hmm. um, and in high school I was on, I, I, I I mostly like didn't live at home from the time I was 15 on, but there was a, few months stint where i got put on house arrest <laughs> and for um for because i got arrested with drugs and and uh and so i had to be with a parent all the time and i ended up like uh when my dad would come home from work i would just go run with him and mm-hmm. i loved it it was awesome and, and i trained for a marathon but then we got in this like big blow fight and i as you know classic passive aggressive like i'll show you like i'm not gonna run it but i had done all the preparation you know and it was like i in my mind i'm like I'm, I'm i'm gonna show you but it's passive aggressive so it's like i'm showing me <laughs> like i sure showed me and i don't know i so i trained for that and i never ran it and i it, it, it was just always in the back of my head so you know fast forward to a couple so you years knew so you right could now. do it yeah yeah like i i was ready you know but then i didn't actually do it and so i was like man like it just it was hanging there in the back of my mind and Um, and so I signed up for that very same marathon, um, after, you know, having this moment, um, you know, looking and and looking and feeling my body and just recognizing, like, I got to do something about this. And I got, it was a lottery to get into this marathon in Southern Utah. And and I got in and I was like, oh shit. (laughs) And so, uh, over the next like eight months, I started training for that. And, and, um, I lost, lost like 50 pounds and, Ended up running the marathon, having this incredible experience, and it was just such a. It was it was another one of those things where it was like it wasn't just an idea. I actually did it, you know. The mm-hmm. reward from that and the the pride that came from that was genuine, you know. It was it was like this pride that stays with you, and um, and uh, and so then like a few months after, I did like a twenty mile trail race, which was really fun, and then that just kind of got me hooked into these endurance. Mm-hmm. Um, sports and really, and just really taking care of my body in a different way. And, um, and so eventually that led into, I was, I was doing CrossFit and one of the gym owners, um, he, uh, uh, he had done triathlons. We, I started training for those with him. I did a half Ironman. And then the year I was training for a full Ironman, one of my, um, friends, her, uh, her stepdad was running this race here in utah right in our backyard called the wasatch 100 Mm -hmm. and uh, i had never even heard of 100 mile races i was like that sounds like the dumbest (laughs) thing ever (laughs) and and uh but we're at breakfast for for her birthday and he's like hey i heard you like to run and uh he's like do you want to pace me in this 100 mile race you know and i was like i was like that sounds insane and he's i was like you know, he's like, do you want to run 40 miles of it with me? And I was like, dude, I don't even know if I can run 40 miles. You know, I was like, but sounds fun. I'll give it a shot. You know, I was like, I can't mm-hmm. promise that I'll finish it. Like do that whole 40, but I'll try. And, um, he was supposed you that race, you can, you have to run the first 40 by yourself and then you're allowed a pacer mm-hmm. for the, the last 60. Miles. He had a buddy from, he's originally from England. He had a buddy that was supposed to fly, fly over and, and run, the other 20 of the paceable miles and, and it was his first one. And so, um, his buddy had to bail kind of last second. And, um, uh, but that summer I had just trained with him, um, yeah. which I was supposed to be training for this Ironman, but I start, you know, once I started trail running, I just couldn't, it was like, I couldn't mm-hmm. get myself to go run on the roads because I love the trails so much. And, and, uh, and so, and then he, he, he was like, he's like, Hey, my buddy's not going to make it. Do you want to, you want to pace me for the whole 60 miles? And I was like, once again, I was like, dude, I don't know if I can run that far. Mm -hmm. I was like, but I was like, I'll I'll try. (laughs) And, uh, and so I ended up pacing him for the 60 miles of that race. And, and, you know, it, uh, it was such a cool experience and such a cool community to be around and, you know, um, and it was you know the triathlon community i was just like man people take it way too serious you know it didn't feel like i loved the the sport, yeah. but i didn't love the I, like the, the the intensity of that community i was just like man you guys it's, it's too much whereas then i you know go to this race with these people that are doing this crazy thing of running 100 miles and they're all like relaxed and happy and don't give a shit and competitive you know, like they still had a competitive edge, like, or mm-hmm. the piece of them, but like, they just, it just wasn't so serious. And, um, and so I just, I just fell in love with it. And, and same thing, I, I just kind of, the, the curiosity started, I was like, huh, I wonder if I could, wonder if I could do 100, you know, mm-hmm. and so I signed up for that race. And that one, again, is a lottery to get in. Because um, they're, they're pretty small you to, races,
0: you need to qualify for that too, like, have a, a uh ultra under your belt already
1: some races they they kind of i mean nobody really checks it but they okay. they do they they want people that are going to do the race to to finish it because there's enough people that want yeah. to do it and can and so and and because they're running through these forest service lands and stuff the the you know the the races are usually capped at like anywhere between 2 and 400 people yeah, so they're small. Not these they're not these giant races and this race it's like two i think their permit allows them 250 people and so, um, and that one, you know, the Wasatch 100 is like one of the first four that existed in the nation. So it's, and, and it, it at, you know, at the time, like at, at a time it was one of the, t- and still is one of the toughest, but it, you know, it's like 27,000 feet of vertical and about Ooh. the same loss. And so it's, it's very, it's never, it's, it's rarely flat. <laughs> it's, okay. it's all, you know, some very steep and rugged terrain. And, and, um, and so that one was like, you know, it was it was a, a pretty popular one. In, um,
0: so you way. did it. What was uh, what did that feel like for you? Um, how how did you um, and how did you finish? What was your time on that?
1: So like um, so that was it was it was uh, I mean one of the coolest experiences. I you know so I I train I train and I'm just you know same thing. I'm like it's it's first same thing with the first first marathon. It's like I think I can do it, but you don't know until you do it, and. Um, at the time I was running in nothing but five finger shoes and I was like, I'm going to do this hundred and five shoes," (laughs) And, (laughs) and, and and so I, I, uh, I ended up spraining my ankle like 20 miles in Um, my foot, like slipped on this wet grass into this like hole that was covered up by the grass and like rolled it pretty hard. And um, you know, came limping off of it. And I was just like, the pain's getting worse and I'm just like fuck man like this is is, I did not train all year to run 20 miles you know like this is this is just a training run if I only run this far (laughs) and and, uh and I like remembered that I had some ibuprofen in my pack and so I just popped some ibuprofen and it kind of felt better and as, as I ran on it I was like okay like I think it'll be all right and um and it was for like up until about mile 50 that happened at mile 20 and like Mm around around mile 50 there's this like really long kind of nasty downhill and it it took its toll on it and and so the first half of the race like you know felt felt okay and then the second half was just like me managing this pain Mm -hmm. and um and uh and I just couldn't go faster because I couldn't run like I couldn't put a lot of impact on it And, and um and so the the later miles were it took me you know, that, that one has like a 36 hour cutoff or something like that. And, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, I ended up, I ended up finishing in like 31 and a half hours. And, yeah. and, you know, around that 27, 28 hour mark, man, there's just, you know, sleep deprivation kicks in. And, and, did you, um,
0: did you rest at all? Did you nap? Cause I know sometimes people will,
1: I like, wanted to, and my pacer would not let me. the the same guy that i paced um he he ended up pacing me um and uh and it was really funny because i you know i'd kind of gone through this like spacey moment and and then i i i wasn't able to like there was a time where i wasn't really able to get any food down and my stomach you know and you really have to keep eating you know if you're not getting calories and it gets it gets rough and, and and that's it's that's like one of the hardest parts of these is like you can't eat while you're running or you can't train yourself to eat while you're running like you will you will not run that far <laughs> so and, and um and so i finally like had gone to the aid station was able to keep down some food and um came out of it and i felt really great and then like i just got so sleepy and i went through this like sleep deprivate like two hours of just like just all i wanted to do was sleep i was like trying to like lay down on the trail and he's like get your ass (laughs) up and and you know eventually it passed but it was it was that was probably the most miserable part of that aside from the 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 ankle but um but i ended up you know we ended up we ended up finishing it out and and it was that the feeling getting across that finish line man was was just incredible you know like yeah because again it's like that first one's never you know they're always there's nothing better than the first one because it's, it's a, you know, it's a curiosity and a possibility until you actually do it.
0: Yeah. You're like, I wonder if I could do this. And then, yeah, yeah. and I noticed with endurance sports, uh, it starts small, right? It starts yeah. with the short runs <laughs> and you're like, oh, I could do a, I did a 5k and let me try a 10k and then yeah. try 10 miles. And then next thing you know, you're on a training run and you feel good. So you go as far as you can and you end up with like 15 miles. Yeah. And, uh, and you realize at some point that the, the, the limits are really endless. It's a matter of deciding to actually do it. Like, can mm-hmm. you make that decision? And then, and then when you're in the moment, when you're actually doing the thing and this, I see this, I feel this in uh, mountaineering and in endurance sports, it's every, every step is another decision to keep going. And you're constantly mm-hmm. making these micro, um, choices. Uh, and when you're when you're like 20 30 miles into an ultra which i haven't done yet i've done a i've done a 50k and that was even that was a lot yeah. and uh, i remember getting to mile 20 or 21 and there was a there was like an area in the race where we could stop and get some food and you know meet people and there was a a gear drop and and I remember thinking to myself, like I could, I could stop right now. I could, I could, I could just, you know, <laughs> get in the car, or I could, I could call my friend and, yeah, I don't have to do this. <laughs> I don't. T- wait, ten more miles. I don't have to do ten more miles. Um, and and actually, what was interesting is I I was saying this out loud, like talking yeah. to myself. Oh yeah. And I kept running and I kept going and I'm like, wait a minute, why aren't I stopping? <laughs> Uh, and it's really cool because like your your mind and your body can are really separate at that point and your body takes over it does what it's what it's like doing like that's how motivation kicks in it's motion and it keeps you keeps you going um and sometimes it works in the opposite way sometimes like you want to you're telling yourself keep going keep running yet your body is responding and not doing and it goes back to that conversation we had before about listening and being able to tune in and sometimes like i've you know you feel a little pain in the knee or the ankle or the hips and then it goes away and then it comes back and and then something else shows up and when it's when it's there it, it's signaling something you can make that change you can make a new decision um, but when it comes to these uh these endurance sports and especially when you're When you've trained all year and you've you're really committed to it like the decision has already been made and and now you're you you may be trying to talk yourself out of it but but that's not gonna that's not gonna happen and that's a beautiful thing have you uh have you contemplated longer distances
1: yeah so i i i did for you know i've done i've done a good good handful of the the 100 mile distance and then um the a few years ago uh my my best friend michael michael casu he uh i there there's a woman who created a some 200 mile races and yeah and uh so he we, him and i were talking one day and he's like he was asking me like um he's like so you're gonna do any races this year and i was like i was like yeah i haven't decided what i was like there's these 200 mile races but that just sounds stupid and uh and he motivated me in the best way that you know he knows me well and he just goes yeah you probably couldn't do that (laughs) (laughs) i was like you asshole i was like i was like fine but if i sign up for one you have to come pace me for it you know and yeah and uh he he was like he was like deal so yeah him and his wife a D, came out and crewed me for the the first first 200 miler that i did so i did um there's the Bigfoot 200, which is like 205 yeah. miles, like around Mount St. Helens and into the Washington, you know, into the, those mountains in Washington, which was just stunning, you know, yeah. just beautiful. and um, that's my, that's so, probably my favorite part of the country.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. It's,
1: it's incredible. Yeah. Um, especially in the summertime when it's not raining all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just beautiful. And so, um, so I did what I, you know, I, same thing. It was like, oh man, I don't know if I can do this, but gotta see yeah and, and really how much awesome did he how much did he help you with that pace you with so it he ended up running a 20 mile stretch and a 10 mile stretch which separate um, if you know michael like he's not he was he i mean he's he was a crossfit games athlete right yeah and yeah. uh so uh running was not his his uh, okay. although he did run a marathon when he was like 18 like when we when we met um and so he you know he's he's got the he, i mean he's an athlete he can
0: he's still by all means of you know at one point he, was a professional athlete you know yeah yeah and he's i mean he's just
1: he's a beast that way you know and so but it was cool like he, yeah. you know, he ended up running um you know two different sections like 30 miles in that race with me and then uh, a d who like she's like i don't think i've ever run more than five miles ended up doing like a 13 mile stretch with me nice which was, which was really awesome and stuff and so um and so yeah, it was fun. It was fun to it's part of the fun of those races. It's like getting friends to come and I mean they have like their own experience crewing and with the other crews and they get to yeah. like kind of have this like fun party while you're out there suffering. Exactly. It's more yeah. of a party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've done
0: have you done um have you heard of the Ragnar series? Mm-hmm. I've yeah. done I've done the trail one a couple yeah. of times. Oh man, that is a blast. You're like yeah. you're camping, you're hanging out, and then there's a little bit of running every once in a while, mm-hmm. but but for yeah. the most part you're hanging out with your buddies and and you know
1: yeah, cooking. One, of my, one of my good friends steve he he actually uh went to ragnar and was like you guys need a trail series and created that for them and oh really and uh yeah and so he like and he i mean he's just an awesome fun yeah the
0: trail guy. series is way cooler than
1: because the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well that's a, his him and i think you know he's like it's trails it's better yeah. so um and uh yeah, so he 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 helped create that whole that whole series for them and stuff and so um but yeah i mean though you know and it's it's those are that's definitely a more fun way to do it because you get to you to chunk it into bite-sized pieces and such but yeah, <laughs> but yeah so i did so good I did introduction that. for people yeah right <laughs> yeah it, it's an yeah. awesome introduction to trail running because it's it's uh, a good a good time and so um but yeah so i did that one and then that that same woman who created the first 200 mile races she has three of them and so there was this kind of extra challenge you know known as the triple crown of 200s yeah and um and that's so that's doing all three of her races in the same year and they're they're all about the the first two are about four weeks apart and the second two are about three and a half weeks apart oh man or or vice versa forget but it's within a 69 day span you do three 200 mile races and the final one is the moab 240 and it's 243 miles and so yeah um so i you know i was like it was another one of those curiosities like could i do it and um and it just you know it was like everything in my life lined up for it and i was like man if i'm gonna do it i gotta do it now like i have the time I have the money to do it <clears throat> I have you know I'm feeling I ha- I feel like I have the fitness to do it I was like I don't know there's a lot of things that really have to align for that kind of a that yeah kind of a, that's a uh, big commitment yeah for that kind of a commitment and I was just like all of it aligned and I was like shit I gotta do it and so mm-hmm. I so I signed up for it and and, and did that the following year so nice. um, yeah so that was that was uh yeah and then I It was, it was nice to take a little break after that.
0: (laughs) Did you hear about that woman, Courtney DeWalter, DeWalter. who finished like 10 hours faster than the fastest male. And she's, I I remember listening to her on a a podcast. I think it was Rogan. And, uh, and she said she slept for exactly 60 seconds Mm -hmm. and then just (laughs) jumped up. And I'm like, there's, there's something in that right? There's something in people who um, have that much, and there's definitely some drive and motivation and a little bit of crazy. And, and, but so it's something different, you know, something different about the body where you, yeah. where you can do that. Um, and then I'm sure she crashed and slept for three days as, you know, <laughs> and then your stories about people like Goggins who did that and you know, suffered miserably. And I, that's actually when I was on my honeymoon in uh, Moab and we, that was, it was that weekend. It was the same week. So it was like the most crowded weekend in Moab. Um, man, uh, I want to be mindful of your time. And, uh, this was a, this was a fun conversation, man, because I love talking about all these, all these things. Uh, endurance yeah. sports is big on my mind. I've got an Ironman coming up later this year. Um, awesome. and, 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 and yeah. um, And then I'm thinking about like, Oh, what am I going to do the year after that? And the year after that, like, how can, how far can I push, you know, Um, eventually? And I want to know, is there, is there a limit? Did you find your limit or did you simply decide that you've done what you wanted to do?
1: I, you know, I I think I was searching for a limit and that, you know, over that, over that two years of doing not just the two hundreds in, uh in in both of those years that i did those 200s i also did like a 60 hour spartan agoji in china Mm. um and then i did you know the mark divine seal fit and um and so you know like i think i was like really searching for that like where 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 am i gonna quit (laughs) where am i gonna stop and after doing that triple crown i was like you know i don't think i don't think that's part of me and i don't think like i think i could work towards you know i could i could keep going with this and try to see like uh, is it 500 miles is it this or whatever and i don't know something i hit some satisfaction with that or some sort of peace with it in some sense Mm -hmm. um after that triple crown where i just realized i'm like okay cool like i know this about myself and I know if i want to do some more audacious goals like i can work and train towards them and and Mm -hmm. and make them happen and um but i also felt like i was like man i really feel like my body needs some some rest and Mm. uh and some and and when you you just mentioned courtney and david goggins you know like the way that they approach things couldn't be more different like where Goggins brings this like super intensity all the time um courtney is like the most relaxed fun like genuinely like she's just out there happy and joyous right Mm -hmm. and um and so different motivators yeah and 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 for me i think i hit a point where like i still you know i i still want to do hard things and do fun things and that kind of thing but i also uh have kind of switched an intention to like i want to really do things that that that, that bring me joy mm. and what's
0: uh, what's coming so, up do you have any goals or do you have anything that you're planning i took a,
1: I took a break from racing for a couple of years and and i did a hundred miler like the year after the the triple crown and mm-hmm. and my and my body i was just like you know it's just not feeling great and um so i jumped on the mountain bike and mm. um have just been like and i still i still run i'm gonna do a 50k next month um which will be the first race i've done in a couple of years and um but
0: it's like um, a walk to the park for most people
1: we <laughs> <laughs> just doing it you know but I, I yeah i'm just doing it in a really relaxed way and then i also just wanted to i really um i teach meditation and mindfulness and do some mm-hmm. coaching with that and um i uh yeah i was just like you know i really want to focus on building some of these other things because it's a big time commitment to do those those bigger audacious goals and and uh um and so uh, yeah, the last couple of years, I feel like I'm just kind of settling into balance, but, but I still, you know, I'll still get out for some 40 mile runs. I'll still go do some, you know, um, some big, some big things because that kind of adventure is just really fun to me. Like I really, truly enjoy it. And, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of, um, you know, like where I've been the last little bit and, uh, and running has like. There was a there was a time after that where my body was just i think my body just needed some good recovery and um, and um i'm feeling really good with it now you know like where every run i go out for I'm just in love with it again nice and, um and when i when I stop feeling that i jump on my mountain bike again or go do something go rock climb or go do something different yeah I, I've just always been one of those people with i i we called it sport, sport ADD. <laughs> you know, where It's like, it's, it's, it's hard to like, do any one thing, because I'm like, but there's just so many adventures out there. So, right? How can you pick? How can you yeah, pick? How some? do you pick them all? And so, uh, but it's cool, because it's, it's, it's allowed me to, you know, to do some backpacking guiding um, with uh, with Michael's company, Soul Searching Adventures, it's allowed me to mm. um, just put my time into you know my relationship with my girlfriend my it, you know it's it's uh yeah i'm, I'm finding like a, a more joyful balance with all this stuff while still being able to um you know pick some adventures here and there so. it's beautiful
0: man and and to be guided by by what's fun and what's ha- what brings you happiness is really powerful yeah and sometimes yeah, it, t- yeah. it takes time to get to that point and, and man it feels good
1: so yeah, you're on so you're on instagram right <laughs>
0: you're on instagram um, Well, so
1: i was on, instagram. You I, on my account, instagram my account got hacked
0: oh that's and, right uh, so
1: <laughs> normally i'd be like yeah just just Hit touch me, with me there but uh i have not been able to recover my account So you're
0: not I'm trying sorry. to get people into your crypto
1: scam <laughs> <laughs> i'm not yeah if you if you like look at my page and you're like yeah. why is this guy posting about benzes and bitcoin and and me- personal messaging me, asking for help and shit, like that's not me right now. Um, yeah. I don't know, how I can't get them to shut it down. There's nobody to talk to at Instagram. It's all based on like, it, I, I don't know, it's, it's quite the, it, I'm just like, it's well, processed. it might be gone. So um, it's actually been a nice hiatus from it. Um, I bet. But it would be nice to like shut it down, uh, but I haven't figured out how to do so because they're, the way that they're, they don't have any, you can't talk to a human anymore.
0: It's, yeah i don't know if there are humans anymore at, yeah at
1: <laughs> yeah so opening.
0: um so, oh, hologram. so
1: that that account bryce Astle, might my- might be gone forever i don't know
0: do you have a uh, website or anywhere else people can find so you I'm,
1: I'm, I'm building that stuff right now um I, I still have a facebook that i don't touch base with really <laughs> often. um it's, it seems a little old school but uh but that's i mean that's 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 the one that's not hacked right now um but go. if any you know like yeah if anyone I, i'm always happy to help with like any if you're interested in any things we talked about um I, I just tell people to email me and so and it's just bryceastle at gmail.com
0: Easy, so. easy easy uh, i imagine yeah there's for for anyone listening uh you've got a wealth of experience mm-hmm. and knowledge in in so many different areas it seems and so yeah you've in, and more than willing to answer answer any questions yeah i just i mean i have
1: fun <laughs> talking about this stuff and yeah and, and helping i love like when people want to like try this stuff out and do you know either get into the outdoors and, and I, I definitely have a passion for teaching people like how to be in the outdoors like how to to treat it respectfully um because i i think it's it's so healing and so powerful and the adventures that we get to do are so cool and you know there's a way to do it without trashing the world you know Mm -hmm. there's a way to do it to be respectful to nature and, and to conserve it and to really take care of it because these wild spaces are are disappearing slowly and and uh as as wild spaces and on the earth disappear so 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 do they within us and and uh Mm. so it's 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 something i'm very very passionate about of like teaching people how to um to be out in nature in a way that uh makes it you know you leave it better than you found it so
0: i like that man last last question this is one is fast uh what is it what does it mean to be fit for adventure
1: what does it mean to be filled great question um, I think the, the thing that pops up for me right away is is to to really be connected both in your mind and body um, to be uh, to really look at look at um, your health from a holistic standpoint you know uh, if you might be strong as hell and and uh and have a fit body but if you were uh if you haven't put the work in on your mental game as well um Mm. especially for adventures like a successful adventure happens long before you go do the thing and the preparation for it really makes the difference in how much you'll enjoy it or be able to do it at all and so um yeah being being both mentally and physically uh connected and fit and and strong is uh I think the best way to be truly fit for, for adventure. So.
0: and that, that, that seems to be the theme, but the preparation is what brings you the success that you're looking for. Yeah. Thanks, thanks Bryce. This was this was yeah, a
1: ton yeah. of fun. That was awesome. Love it.
0: If you enjoyed this episode please head over to wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Share it with a friend. Share it with a lot of friends. And we love to see and read what our listeners and friends have to say. So please write something up about us. Leave us an actual review because those are the things that help us stay motivated to do this more and keep pushing, keep pushing up toward the summit. And remember to head over to mysummit.academy for more information about our courses and programs and upcoming retreats. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. See you on the summit.